0: Somebody, can you give that to God right now? Come on, are you a champion in this house? Hey, I'm more than an overcomer. I'm more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ. I'm not sitting in defeat in the molly grubs. I'm a victorious believer.
1: Woo. The Bible doesn't say to give them a shout. Doesn't say to lift up your voice with a voice of defeat. Doesn't say with a voice of timidity. Doesn't say with a voice of shyness, of insecurity, not sure of who I am or who's, who I serve. It says to lift up your voice with a voice of triumph. Regardless of the current circumstance and situation, you are victorious. You are
0: victorious. You need to say that, point to yourself, and say, I'm a winner. I'm a winner through Jesus. Woo!
1: Victorious. Amen. feels good in the house of the Lord tonight
0: thank you Jesus
1: I want to hasten to the word of the Lord as you're making your way back to your seats I want to say what a privilege and an honor it is to stand behind this pulpit before this great congregation even though he's not here I want to honor Bishop say that I love you yeah that's okay we love you and we appreciate everything that you do for the kingdom of God and for this city and for this house. Amen. I kind of feel a little, little odd tonight because the first lady was talking before service and she was saying that she felt such a spirit of victory. And I was like, yeah, I feel it too. I was like, I just, I, I wish somehow, some way I had a victory message. Not, not that I don't have a victory message or a defeat message, but I just wish, you know, maybe God will take us there tonight, who knows. But I know what I heard from God, and um, if you'll just hold on with me and bear with me, I feel like God, God wants to do something in this house. you wouldn't mind turning in your Bibles to the book of Genesis, chapter number 32, beginning at verse number 24. The Bible says, it's a very familiar passage of scripture. The Bible says, and Jacob was left alone and there wrestled with a man with him until the breaking of day. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh. And the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go for the day breaketh. And he said, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. And he said unto unto him, what is thy name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, Thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince hast thou power with God and with men, and hast prevailed. And Jacob asked him and said, Tell me, I pray thee, thy name. And he said, Wherefore is it that thou dost ask after my name? And he blessed him there. And Jacob called the name of the place, Peniel. For I have seen God face to face. And my life is preserved. And this is where I want to kind of focus tonight. The Bible says in verse number 31, And as he passed over Peniel, the sun rose upon him, and he halted upon his thigh. The sun rose upon him, and he halted upon his thigh. One more verse of scripture, the book of, Ch- of Hebrews, chapter number 11. Just one verse, verse number 21. By faith, Jacob, when he was a dying, blessed both the sons of Joseph and worshiped. Everybody say, worshiped, leaning upon the top of his staff. And I feel the Holy Ghost. I wrestled with this all day because I feel like we just came off a high from Sunday night and I hate to be that guy that has to bring everything down. But I could not shake this all day today. And who knows, maybe this is for me. I feel like a lot of times I'm preaching to myself anyway. So maybe you guys are just in on the secret, I don't know. But if we could take a moment and just ask God to meet us in this house. If you're interested in leaving here changed if you're interested in leaving here with a fresh perspective on life if you're interested in leaving here different than when you came in can you lift your hands can you talk to God and ask him to touch us can you talk to him and ask him to meet us in this house Come on, somebody, I'm not interested in, in coming to church and like, like it was stated before, going through the motions. We don't have enough time to just go through the motions and play church. We don't have enough time in this last day to just get by. We don't have enough time to just skate on through. But God, I'm interested
0: in something fresh. I'm interested in something new. God, I'm interested in, in a life-changing experience. God would you meet us in this house God would you transform us God would you renew our minds God we don't want to leave the same way that we came in God would help us to leave with a fresh perspective Woo. In the name of
1: Jesus In the name of Jesus just a few moments, I want to talk to us a little bit tonight on this idea, this question. And it's simply, can you worship while leaning? Can you worship while leaning? You may be seated. Oftentimes, I find that it can be easy to talk about some of these other examples in the faith chapter. It was mentioned tonight about Abraham. It's easy, though, to talk about Noah and how he had to have faith. build the ark we're talking about a time where they had no idea what rain was we're talking about a time period in where noah was the only one that found grace in the eyes of the lord we're talking about a time where it was noah or nothing god was getting ready to start all over it's easy sometimes to just look at that and say wow that was great faith and i know this is going to sound a little confusing but if you'll bear with me I pray it all makes sense in the end. That took some faith, and we see why it did. Never seen rain before. They turned their backs on God. They were a wicked generation. The Bible says, as a matter of fact, that as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the, in the coming of the Son of Man. If you look around, you, you, you'll realize that it's just as bad, if not a little bit worse, than it was back in the days of Noah. It's easy to talk about faith when it comes to Abraham. Literally, we know him as the father of the, well, some of us do, (laughs) amen, we'll get there tonight. When God comes to him and tells him to leave his father and mother, leave his home, leave his town, leave his countrymen, leave everything that he knows, leave it behind, and go to a place that I've prepared for you. No, I'm not going to give you the the, the final destination now. You just got to trust me. We talk about that, and it's great, it's an amazing story of faith, and it's an it's, it's amazing feat of faith. It's, in, it's recorded. He's, he's probably the biggest section in the faith chapter, is Abraham and all the things that God brought him through. It's easy to look at that and say, yeah, that's faith right there. Man, I want faith like that. Or how about when God told Abraham to offer up his son Isaac? What great faith that was. The Bible, didn't, the Bible says God didn't even recognize Ishmael, Ishmael as his son. He said, take Isaac, your son, your only son, and go offer him as a sacrifice. What great faith that, that is to be coming down with the knife. And as you're on your way down to kill your only son, the promise that he had been waiting for. The promise that God had gave him and said, hey, out of you... Will I create a great nation, and will all the nations of the earth be blessed? I'm going to make your seed innumerable, as many as the stars in the heaven and the sand of the sea. But God, this is the one son you gave me. And he said, take his life. What great faith that was. And of course, we know the story. There's a ram that's caught in the thicket, and the angel tells him, don't kill your son. I was just texting you. God was testing you to see what you would do. It's even easy sometimes to talk about Sarah, Abraham's wife, and how it was that through faith she was able to conceive and bear a child. It was the word that God had given to Abraham and Sarah that out of them he would bring forth a great nation. But they were both old. They weren't young, young spring chickens anymore. They'd been through life. That's, that's, that's my mom. She says that all the time. Spring chicken. I don't know where that comes from. So it took great faith for them to, 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 to hear the word of the Lord, even though Sarah laughed. It still took faith for her to say, you know what, I'm just going to trust my husband and I'm going to trust that God has, is going to do what he says he's going to do. And we know the story. Isaac comes forth as a result. But for me at least, every time I read this verse about Jacob, I always have a hard time understanding where faith comes into the picture. It doesn't quite make sense to me. And so for a little bit tonight, I just want to talk about that. There are two major events in Jacob's life that the word of God decided were worthy enough to include in this passage of scripture regarding faith. The first one is the event of, of the blessing of the sons of Joseph. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 21 says, by faith Jacob, when he was a dying, blessed both the sons of Joseph. Where is the faith in that? What, what is that? If we go back and look at, verse, at Genesis chapter 48 and verse number 8, the Bible says, And Israel beheld Joseph's sons and said, Who are these? And Joseph said unto his father, These are my sons whom God hath given me in this place. And he said, Bring them, I pray thee, unto me, and I will bless them. Now the eyes of Israel were dim, were dim for age, so that he could see not. And he brought them near unto him, and he kissed them and embraced them. And Israel said unto Joseph, I had not thought to see thy face, and lo, God has showed me also thy seed. And Joseph brought them out from between his knees, and he bowed himself with the face to the earth. And Joseph took them both, Ephraim, in his right hand, towards Israel's left hand. Ephraim was the younger son, and so he's leaning him towards his father's left hand. And then he says that Manasseh, in Joseph's left hand, leading him towards Israel's right hand. Because he was the oldest. The right hand always signified power and authority. If he was going to get the blessing, it was at this time that he was going to bestow upon him the greatest blessing of the firstborn. The Bible says, and Israel stretched out his right hand. And instead of laying it on Manasseh's head, the eldest, he reaches a cross and lays it on Ephraim's head, who was the younger. And then he takes his left hand, which was supposed to go to Ephraim, and he puts it on Manasseh's head, who's the oldest. Is this ringing a bell for anybody? The Bible says he was guiding his hands wittingly, knowingly. He knew exactly what, his, what he was doing. Manasseh was the firstborn. And yet his left hand, the least, was going to him. I believe strongly that this is a direct recollection to when Jacob himself was the younger. And he came into his father's presence. And as the younger, he received the birthright blessing. The Bible Bible records that the Lord told his mother when when they were both in his womb... That there, was, there were nations warring against each other in your womb. And then he says that the elder shall serve the younger. And obviously we know today that the spirit man, the born, the born again man, the younger is the eldest in the kingdom of God. He's the one with the authority. And the, the older, the flesh must serve the younger my flesh must be in subjection to the younger my flesh without god is unruly my flesh without the holy ghost without being born again of water and of spirit is unruly and it does whatever it wants and it leads only to destruction he knew this concept he understood it he knew it wittingly the bible says his eyes were dim And he knew exactly what Joseph was going to do because he did it back when he was younger. He knew that the firstborn would be on the right-hand side and that the the, the secondborn, the youngest, would be on the left-hand side. But he knew that God said the older will serve the younger. And so he switches at the last minute. Bible says, and when Joseph saw this, that his father laid his right hand upon the head of Ephraim... It displeased him, and he held up his father's hand to remove it from Ephraim's head unto Manasseh's head. And Joseph said unto his father, Not so, my father, for this is the firstborn. Put thy right hand upon his head. And his father refused and said, I know it, my son. I know it. He also shall become a people, and he also shall be great. But truly, his younger brother shall be greater than he. And his seed shall become a multitude of nations i believe full full heartedly that he was setting in stone this idea this concept that god gave to his mother that the elder shall serve the younger i full heartedly believe that god was speaking through jacob at this time and was saying this is how it's going to be and so it took faith it took faith because if he was out of line god was going to deal with him personally The second event recorded in the Hall of Faith is the one that I feel God has placed on my heart tonight. And that is the second half of Hebrews chapter 11. If you read it with all of the punctuation, it reads, By faith Jacob, when he was dying, worshipped, leaning upon the top of his staff. This takes us back to our text where we see Jacob wrestling with the angel. Hosea actually says... Further, or later on in the scripture, he kind of clarifies and he says that this was an angel of the Lord. This was a theophany of God. This wasn't just, this wasn't just Michael, the archangel. It wasn't just Gabriel. This was God himself that Jacob was wrestling with. Not only was he wrestling with God himself, but he was wrestling with his past. His past had come up before him. Esau was, was just across the way with his armies getting ready to kill Jacob and getting ready to kill everything that Jacob had. And finally Jacob's run all of his life, all of his life he's run from these problems, he's run from from his past and he's finally come to the place, finally comes to the place of emptying out and and God there, there he deals with him, there he wrestles with his flesh and there he wrestles with God himself. I want to stop for a moment and just say that if you want to be anything in the kingdom of God, there will come a day where you're going to have to get your flesh in subjection. And let me tell you, it is not a pretty day. Let me tell you, it is not a fun time when you've got to crucify this flesh. I didn't think we'd get very many amens right here, but when Jesus died on the cross, that is what it's going to look like. That's what it's going to take for your younger man to serve the older. That's what it's going to take for you to get your flesh in subjection. It's going to take a bloody cross. It's going to take a crown of thorns in his head. It's going to take the nails in his, in his hands and in his feet and the spear in his side. You're going to have to kill your flesh if you want to be anything in the kingdom of God. You're going to have to wrestle some things down. Too many times people come into church. People come and they start living for God and, and they think they can just get by. I was that person, trust me, I'm not talking about something that I haven't lived. We think we can just get by and, 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 and kind of avoid those moments where God's calling us to an altar to crucify our flesh. Say, God, I'm comfortable where I'm at. I, I don't mind it. Look, look. if you go back, I'm, I'm skipping ahead a little bit, but I, I just I really feel to say this. If you go back, Jacob's life, first of all, he was the the deceiver. But then we find out later on that he was deceived by Laban. You you will reap what you sow. That's a fact. It's the law of harvest, first lady. You will reap what you sow. But he's amassed great wealth. Bible says he's got men servants and women servants and he's got oxen and sheep and donkeys. He's got all these things. He's amassed this great wealth. And yet he still had to come to a place where none of that mattered. Where none of that made a difference in his life. Can I just tell you I don't care what you think you need in this life to get by. I don't care what you think you need, you don't need it. If you think you need more money, trust me, baby, you don't need more money. If you think you need a new closet full of clothes and shoes and things and people and friends Jesus I digress As a matter of fact talking about emptying out yourself and crucifying the flesh God will often not let us progress in his kingdom until we come to the place of emptying out for ourselves. So if you're wondering why you feel like you just can't move any further. God, I know what I felt. If you're wondering why you feel like you're at this this place where you just keep bucking up against something, it just keeps pushing you back. Feel like this is as far as I can progress in the kingdom of God. This is as far as I can go because you name it, because of people, because of because of money, because of the right connections, because of my last name. I, I just I just this is as far as my ministry will ever go. This is as far as I'll ever be, I guess, because of you name it. Can I tell you that oftentimes it has nothing to do with those things? It's simply because God is waiting for you to empty some things out. It's simply because there's too much flesh. It's because there's too much of you in the equation. It's because there's too much of what I want. And me, 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 and how am I going to get there? And God, I want you to use me for your glory. God sent. You can't use someone the, when their flesh is in control. We've heard it before you can't accomplish what's in the spirit in the arm of the flesh. It's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by his spirit. It's not the older man, it's not this flesh, it's, this, it's the younger man, Jacob. It's the younger man that will, start, that will be the master. And so, he's wrestling his flesh down. He's finally confronting some things in his life that are long overdue. He's wrestling and he's wrestling. He's finally on his way to be what God called him to be. If you haven't done that, if you haven't wrestled some things down in your life, then you can't progress. Then you can't move forward. Jacob finally realized that. After years of running, he's wrestling some things down. But little did he know that in the process of becoming everything God called him to be, in the process of doing, of of becoming, becoming that ideal that God has for each and every one of us, little did he know that in that time, in that session where he was in the altar praying and where he was crucifying his flesh and where he was talking to God and he spent hours and hours until the Bible says until the the day broke. Little did he know that that angel would reach down and do something that would change his life forever. Little did he know that it would be from that moment on that he would never be the same. Little did he know that he would no longer just be himself. He would no longer just be Jacob. He thought he was just getting a blessing out of it. As a matter of fact, that's what he tells him. The Bible says that he was wrestling with them all night and that and that there was no nobody was winning. Nobody was getting the upper hand. You know what that tells me? Tells me Jacob was still wrestling with some stuff that he wasn't willing to lay down. He was still struggling with some things that he was saying, you know what, God, I'm I'm ready to do this. And God's saying, hey, I need you to get rid of that. And he said, no, 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 no. God, I'm, 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 I'm here. I'm facing my past. I'm facing Esau and I'm I'm facing you. God, I'm I'm ready to do this. Okay, I need you to cut that person off in your life. Whoa, it's a little too much. God, I'm re- I'm ready. I'm ready to be everything you called me to be. I'll be here every morning at, at, at prayer, and I'll be here every service, and I'll do I'll do whatever you say, I'll go wherever you want me to go. I'm going to need you to quit that job and take a pay cut. He's contending and neither of them got the better. He, could, he couldn't do anything because his flesh was still in the way. Because he wouldn't let up, but because God couldn't get through to him, he touched his, his hip. The Bible says he touched it and it went out of joint. But he still didn't let go. I can almost guarantee you that that's not what he thought would happen that day. Oh yeah, he knew that some things were going to go down. Because that's what happens when you confront your flesh. You know your flesh. You know exactly what's going on. I'm not dumb. I know exactly what I can handle and what I can't handle. I'll be, I guess I'll be honest since I'm the one up here. I'll be transparent. I know exactly what I can do and what I can't do. It's not what he thought would happen. The Bible says after he touched him, he said, he said why are you not letting me go? He said, I'm not going to let you go. Until you bless me. That was what he was going after. He's going after that blessing. He said, I'm not letting you go until you bless me. He wasn't thinking that laying everything down on the altar would result in the limp for the rest of his life. But sometimes we don't think that that's what ends up happening. Can I just say it plainly? There's a price to pay. There's a a price to pay if you want to be everything God's called you to be. And sometimes that price doesn't look like what you think it should look like. You know, I figured something out a long time ago. If you really want to be a servant, you don't set the terms and conditions of what being a servant is. You don't set the terms and conditions of what being a servant is. If you're really going to be a servant, it doesn't matter what anybody says. I'm doing this as unto the Lord. Whatever my hand finds to do, I'm doing it with my might. Whatever my hand finds to do, whatever God gives me, whatever my pastor gives me, whatever my mom and my dad give me, I'm doing it with my might. And so the question, the question is, is what do you do when you got the name change? Because Just a few verses down, the Bible says he would no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, because you've prevailed. You've finally gotten it beaten. And he says, with God, as a prince, with God, you've got power. With both God and man. The question is, what do you do when the promotion comes? When the name change happens, when you finally beat in your flesh, when you finally are living in victory from day to day, but you walk out of here with a limp. What happens when you finally wrestle those things down in your life and you finally can walk out of here with your shoulders squared and your head held high, looking at the devil in the eye and saying, no matter what the weapon is, I want you to know that we win. What do you do when you're walking out, but, but you've got this limp, yeah, you you got victory. You got the name change, Jacob. You got the promotion on the job. You've been blessed. But you got this limp now. And it ain't going away. What do you do, Jacob? See, there's one thing that I love about this. We go back a little bit. Jesus. Jesus. Back into verse 32. Jacob hears about his brother Esau. He's coming. This is before the name change. This is before the promotion, before the leg, the limp. He's praying to God and he says, I'm not worthy of the least. Verse 10. I'm not worthy of the least of all the mercies and of all the truth which thou hast shown unto thy servant. For with my staff I passed over this Jordan. And now I'm become two bands. He said, with my staff. That's what I had with me in the very beginning. That's what I had with me was my staff. Now I've crossed over Jordan and I've got companies of men. I've got the oxen. I've got the blessings of this life. had that staff, but somewhere along the way, it just didn't seem important enough anymore. Can I tell you that what got you here is the same thing that's going to keep you through everything. <clears throat> you will never, listen, you will never Ever be able to replace the necessity of reading your Bible and fasting and praying, brother Pastor Hammond. I know it's simple, I know it's it's just a staff, it's just a staff, but you'll never be able to replace it, it's priceless. It's priceless. God, I'm never too big. God, I pray that we don't get so blessed and so prosperous that I forget what got me here. May we never become so blessed. And so blinded by life that we forget what what our forefathers had to sacrifice to get us here. And may we never forget what what principles they laid down. And what precepts they laid down years and years and years ago that are still relevant today. Nay, not just relevant, but they're vital for your survival. God caused him. God caused him to leave that place dependent on the very thing that got him to where he was at to begin with. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 12, it's the dawning, it's the end of his life. It says, as he was a dying, we see Joseph or Jacob. I can almost see him on a hilltop looking out into the sunset as he's dying. His sunset years, he's coming to the end of his life. And what is he doing? He's still got that limb. But he's worshiping. He's worshiping. That word worship... When it's used in the book of Hebrews. And when you break it down. It's referring to direction. It's a directional preposition. As in toward. Or that way. So I believe when he said. When the Bible says that he was worshiping. Leaning on his staff. You got a lot of things going on. First of all he remembers. Because every day when he wakes up. There's that pain in his hip. There's that pain that reminds him every day of what happened years ago. And every day he has to make the decision that I'm going to worship. Makes the decision every day that I'm going to worship music. You can come. God will humble you so much that you won't be able to do anything else. But teach Bible studies and come to prayer meetings. If that's what it takes to get you into heaven, God will humble you. God will humble you so much that you won't be able to do anything else but to be in his house. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 18 verse 8. It is Jesus speaking, he said it's better for thee to enter into life halt or maimed rather than having two hands and two feet And to be cast into everlasting fire. In other words, I'd rather lean upon the thing that brought me out in the first place for the rest of my life than to stand on my own two feet proud because of what I accomplished. You know, it's hard to find a proud person. They don't know they're proud. Who honestly here would say, Yeah, I'm proud. I've got pride in my heart. You know, it's interesting. We can stand in here tonight. It's interesting. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 says, Now faith is the substance or the realization of things hoped for and the evidence or the proof of things not seen. The Amplified says, Now faith is the assurance or the title deed or confirmation of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen or the conviction, the proof. In other words... Jacob, I know you've got this limp. I know you've got this limp, Jacob. And it doesn't look like what God promised. I know it doesn't look like what God said it would be. I know it hasn't come to pass quite yet. I know you're not the ideal that God has for you yet. God doesn't want any of his kids to go through life limping. But he'll do it to save you. You know, it's one of the things I dread as a parent. It's ever having to come to the day where I've got to pray that my kids, God, whatever it takes. takes God you gotta get them in a car accident you gotta take their legs you gotta save them fill them with the Holy Ghost and then take them God whatever it takes that's not how God wants you to live God doesn't want to have to knock your feet you don't want have to touch your hip every time He doesn't want to have to get you to lean on him because he's trying to save you. He wants you to lean on him because you love him. He wants you to lean on him because it's a relationship. The reason why I believe this passage made it into the hall of faith is because it takes a lot of faith to worship with a limp. It takes a lot of faith to wake up every morning with that pain in your thigh, with that thorn in your flesh. The one that Paul prayed this away why why am I dealing with this why why, why do I feel like I can't progress take this thorn out of my flesh please God take this limp away takes a lot to wake up every morning and because of your disability that God gave you still turn to him in a posture of worship And with trembling hands, wake up every morning and say, thank you, God, for this limp. And read his word. Because now it's not duty. Now it's devotion. It takes a lot of faith to say, you know what? God, I'm praying this morning because because I want a relationship with you. And I know this limp may never go away. but I'm committing myself in a posture of worship where every day I'll grab that staff and I'll lean on that staff and I'll worship and I'll worship. What about when God says no? Can you still worship while leaning on that staff? What about when God doesn't heal your body? Can you worship by leaning on that staff? What about when God doesn't save them? What about when God doesn't answer the prayer? What about when God doesn't make the way? What about when God doesn't get you out of this? Can you still wake up every morning? With that pain in your thigh and in a posture of worship, say, I'm still gonna worship. Every morning, God, I don't care what happens, I don't care how it looks. I worship you. I worship you. I know it's really simple. I know it's really simple, but if that's how, if, if you feel tonight that God has spoken to you at all, can you just lift your hands in this house? Come on, there's some people in here tonight that you need to wrestle your flesh down in this altar. Come on, Jacob, are you going to run from the call of God in your life? Come on Jacob, how long do I have to wrestle you? Jacob, how long must we be here until you finally give up your will? How long must we be here, Jacob, until you finally surrender? in a posture of worship not because it's a mandate not because it's a duty but simply because God I love you and I'll worship you in spite of this limp God I'll worship you in spite
0: of the no I'll worship you in spite of the unanswered prayer God I'll worship you in spite of the the rejection somebody sing that tonight. I be, I I come on somebody sing that tonight Ooh.
1: Sing that to Jesus tonight. To Woo, come on with a sincere me, heart.
0: God, I'll to worship, worship you. I God, I'll worship you to God, I'll worship you with this pain. God, I'll worship you with this staff. God, I'll turn to you every morning and worship. To I To us. Somebody, somebody worship him tonight. To worship you, I live. To worship you, I live, I live. live. To worship you. Come on, God, my answer. My answer is a sincere heart. God, my answer is a sincere heart. Gotta get out of me, God. Whatever I've got to lay down, whatever I've got to crucify, whatever I've got to get rid of, Lord, I just want to be a worshiper, God. I just want to be a worshiper, nothing.